Welcome to our house. Roxanne and Kamisha in the house. That's right. Chopping it up. That's right. It's your girl Foxy Roxy. And and, and my girl Kamisha yes, got know. this. It's the Superville, okay? Superman. <laughs> Superwoman in the hey. house. Ladies. Yes. Welcome back. Welcome back. Oh my gosh, you guys. We got another banger for you guys. We are so ecstatic. For this episode we have a special guest in the house but before we even get there let's just say listen it's been a long month and we are so happy that you guys have tuned in you're continuing to support us you're continuing to listen to our podcast so welcome back to chopper with r and k y'all already know it's your girl kamisha and the hostess and the most is my girl roxanne roxanne where you at <laughs> Thank you, Kamisha. Listen, I know we we haven't been with each other physically filming or taping, but it's, it sure still feels good to see you. The days are getting longer, so I know we're definitely going to be getting together to chop it up, right? That's right. That's right. But that's, that's okay, because, you know, we always, we in spirit. We here in spirit. Listen, yes. it's this episode is a banger. This is to celebrate and obviously conclude Women's History Month. We're so excited about this episode and our special guest. I'm going to let you do the introductions, but listen to the audience. We want to hear from you. So after this episode, definitely um, follow us on social media. Send us a message. We want, we want this episode to be very interactive. Roxanne, it's all yes. you, girl. Yes. Well, I had the pleasure I was speaking with this lady earlier this afternoon, Miss Dacia James Lewis, creative director, choreographer, speaker, and author. You know, she comes by way of uh, the Big Apple and uh, is here with us this evening talking about a topic that's, you know, is very important, but yet it's not given the due diligence. And you don't necessarily get a lot of people who actually want to talk about it. So I am so, so excited that you decided, listen, this is a topic that needs attention to come on with us this evening, Dacia, to talk about it. So listen, let's go ahead and chop it up, okay? So Dacia, give the audience your... I want to say your, your one minute bio, and then we'll go ahead and get into it. Oh, one minute. Well, hey, ladies. First off, it's so exciting to be here with you guys chopping it up. Yes. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so much. <laughs> and so uh, my name is Dacia James Lewis for all the wonderful listeners. I am a choreographer, professional dancer, what I like to call a multi-hyphenate these days, right? Because yeah. we're so gifted in different ways. But um, I'm originally from Galveston, Texas, and I moved to Los Angeles um, after graduating from college and pursued a career in the entertainment industry where I've been blessed to really uh, choreograph or dance for people like Jennifer Hudson, uh, Hudson Jamie Foxx, um, Stevie Wonder. Uh, we just did coming to America, was able to do, uh, be a part of that, performing as a dancer. And then Genius Aretha comes out tonight, actually. So that's yes. amazing. So I've really, truly been blessed to be um, on the stage and working with uh, some amazing people. Oh my gosh, and Tracy Ellis Ross choreographed the American Music Awards for her about a year and a half ago. So it's just been an awesome career for me. God is so good. And I just feel blessed um, all in all. And I see God using my platform to kind of open up conversations like the ones we're about to have right nice. now. Nice, nice, Absolutely. nice. So Welcome. let's let's just go ahead and dive right in because I know this is a huge topic and we don't have a whole lot of time. And I know, you know, we may need to do a part two depending on what we yes. get this evening. But my question is, um, 
you know, what made you decide or, or how did you go about discovering you guys in between your husband and you, there was some infertility issues? Yeah. So, um, no one really expects or thinks that they're have, they're going to have a problem, um, having kids, you know, it's all like the fairy tale we hear first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in a baby carriage. Right. Yeah, and so right. that's really where we're like aiming and walking and assuming that it's just going to happen. And so I think the first year we were kind of like, yeah, not yet, not yet. We're chilling. And then year two, we were like, hmm, well, maybe we should lay off the contraceptive and just kind of see, right? Okay. And then we kind of, you know, let those go. And then it was like, uh, why does that happen? And, uh, you know, because uh, I think it was one year went by and we were like, you know, hmm, that's interesting. And so I started looking up what infertility was. And so they literally call it infertility after six months of trying, right? Because mm -hmm. you should be okay. able to conceive within six months. And that's a kind of taboo thing in and of itself, because who wants to say I'm infertile after six months of trying, yeah. right? That, that's right. just um, a, a whole stigma in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And so I think when it was around year four, I was like, well, let's just kind of go see, you know, what they're going to say. And I was like, let me just go and get, you know, fully checked out. Right. And um, I came back with a clean slate. Like, oh, they, you're fine. You're fine. And so, okay, we'll just keep trying. <laughs> you know? so when and you, you came back with a clean slate. What exactly was your clean slate? What were the process? What were the procedures? What were some of the things that had to be done on your end? Right. So the first thing, okay, you, you're going to go to your gynecologist and then she's going to check your hormones, your mm -hmm. hormone levels, make okay. sure that your hormones are correct. And after that, they're going to um, go and uh, recommend an HSG testing, right? Where they go in and check the uterus, make sure there's no scar tissue that the fluid can flow through um, well. And you can get that from maybe a STD back in the day. It's just like the secondary thing. Like after you, you they check your hormones, the next thing you're going to do is, is an HSG testing just to make sure that your your fluids I mean you can uh you know the egg can travel through the fallopian tubes and everything and so after that they'll check your eggs with the sonogram and everything so everything came back clear you know so it's like three little steps you take before they're like okay uh it's time for your husband to come in we got to check him out <laughs> you know yeah. you mentioned something and that was important you talked about STDs now most people would never think that that would cause someone to be infertile because guess mm. what? There are some STDs that, that are non, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're only detected when you have some sort of test. Right. Average you can't person, trace them. You can't trace it. It's undetectable. Yeah. Right? Unless you actually go in and have some sort of blood work done. So yeah. that's definitely key. So I'm sorry, go ahead, continue. Like I like to, you know, get- No, get down to it. Yeah. Test. And yeah. I talk about- yeah. Yeah. I talk about that in the book. Um, I talked about that in high school, which was a very, I mean, not high school, in college. It was a very transparent moment for me in my book because you'll automatically assume, because I did have an STD in college. And I was like, oh my gosh, you mean that idiot that gave me that could have possibly caused me not to have kids yeah. with my husband? Yeah. And I was yeah. just, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Found myself yeah, I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning some stuff too. And it was just like, really? Okay. I didn't know this. So that's why I'm glad we're having you on, you know, to shed some light on this topic, because I really, really think it's important because nine times out of 10, you know, when you talk about infertility, I know the, from, for women, they start pointing the finger. It's you, yeah. it's you. your it's birth you. count is low. Yeah. It's, it's, 
So, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, absolutely. <laughs> and so that took me through a whirlwind in and of itself because you can get into a place of shame and guilt because of your careless days uh, back in the yes. day, you know, mm-hmm. and although you might not attribute it, attribute it to you, but you can't help if somebody's cheating on you. Right. And right. so now you're blaming somebody else. Like you could have possibly, you know, that was like the second question uh, my gynecologist asked me and she was like, okay, well, you're good here. She's like, have you ever had an STD or something? Yeah. And you know, you're right then you're like uh well yeah you know (laughs) I did (laughs) listen at least you knew so you knew how to direct that conversation and next step on her end because if mm -hmm. you know if a woman if a woman doesn't know then you have to go through all the different you know checkoff points right exactly Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what it is it's like a a full checklist and Mm -hmm. and unfortunately when we think of infertility although it's like um you know one it could be one third male one third female but it's two thirds you know and you're we as 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 society we automatically assume that it is the female that's the first thing that we kind of navigate towards where you know well let me check your eggs and you know all women are like it's it, it might be me but yeah. uh there it takes two to tango right mm-hmm. and so we both have to be conscious and aware and make sure that we get ourselves checked out right well, you said you said nine times out of ten it's the female i was thinking nine times out of ten it was the male no oh, i said no. nine times out of ten they think it's the female <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. okay 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 because i'm like really okay all right no no they but, think you it's know, i'm the listening female. to the expert okay so i'm taking <laughs> note i'm taking note okay <laughs> no people just assume that it is i mean if you take it back to the bible it was always the woman was barren they never said the male right. was barren right. yeah, bar- so, right. so it's a stigma mm-hmm. thing we always think it's the women and men kind of negate you know going because you know my husband he's a trooper I, I absolutely love him but when I ask him I'm and it's in the book so you know we're all full and transparent now but when I asked him originally I was like maybe you should get checked and he's like I'm a I'm a grown healthy man that works yeah. out I ain't shoot no blanks and it was right. so arrogant <laughs> all, all that yeah. his voice right right, <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, that's a bit prideful and arrogant. That would mean yeah. that it's possibly me, you know? Right. Um, and so that's one of the things that we talk about in the book is that we just assume that it's always the female. Mm-hmm. We both need to be getting checked, male yeah. and female. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, so now you came back with your slate clean. What was that conversation like with your husband? How did you approach him to say, well, hun, this is what my GYN said. So look, that was that straight conversation right there. Cause I was like, uh, <laughs> sir, uh, they said I'm fine. And she wrote you out of referral for you to go get a sperm analysis test. And that's when he was like, sperm analysis test. Why around here shooting no blanks, you know? Right. You know? Okay. And as a, as, you know, I'm okay, okay, fine. You know, as a male, let me not, you know, push the subject. And I think I waited like another year after that and my thing with that was allowing that person to come to themselves right because in a marriage we got to work together and I could see that my husband was uncomfortable with the conversation and so my thing was and and being a praying woman that God had to work something out with my husband right because there had to be a submission level there because you can't be like ain't nothing wrong with me when you don't know if there's something wrong with but if I'm pushing it and I'm pushing it and I'm pushing it I can then be a nag so I was like you know what I'm gonna let God handle this and I remember my husband came home one day and he threw his bag down it might have been a year year and a half later he's like I'm going to get tested and I was like (laughs) 
okay, what changed your mind? I had a conversation with God, you know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay. So on his own, he decided, listen, look, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and yes. within that year, no one ever had, no one brought that conversation up, no, brought, no one brought the subject up. Very gracefully, you know, to, you know, because this is a very uh, sensitive walk. And my um, gynecologist told me that off off bat. She was like, this is where couples can can tend to get into some discord because you'll start doing the blame game, the blame game. And so she was like, just be patient with each other in this you know, and be sensitive to how each other feels. So we do check-ins, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to check in with him to make sure he's good. And I had conversation to make sure that he checks in with me if my cycle comes and I, you know, I didn't make it that, you know, we didn't, we weren't successful this month and just checking in with me mentally and spiritually, like, how are you handling it, you know, right. in this season, you know, until we decide what is the route, you know, for us, particularly in this journey. Mm-hmm. And so that was just a check-in, right? We would just check in. And if I see it's a little tense, then I would just kind of back off. And I I think that really attributes to my my spirituality with God, right? Because God is always in control. He's sovereign. So I'm like, okay, God, that's your child. So you deal with your child. And he did in his timing, right? So So let me ask you. So while you are in the season of waiting, right? Mm -hmm. What were you doing with your body? Like in terms of preparation, right? What were you doing in the season of, as you said, over a year waiting? What were you doing? Because I know from the research that I did with infertility, also a part of it has to be with our diet as women, as females. Mm -hmm. So what were you doing for yourself within that season? Yeah, so I think for me, I knew that your eating was a part of it, right? Just making sure, but not for everybody, right? Because I'm a hardcore, I I work out a lot, right? And so some people would be like, okay, well, don't work out as much. So that's when all the advice starts to come. But for me, I'm not even gonna lie. I really had to go in the presence of God for my direction, right? Yeah. And start to strip down little things that that can help, which are sweets, you know what I mean? And um, I've never been a a big drinker, but I started to add more greenery into my diet and make sure Mm. that I was getting exercise. But also, which is very important, important that we we might not be aware of is monitoring your ovulation, because sometimes Mm. we don't even know that we're ovulating. You know, I, I like um, (laughs) when I teach my younger girls at church, because we have to have these conversation, I call it the slip. And they're like, what's the slip? I was like, that's when you have that clear clear mucus that comes you know that means you're ovulating right and so of course for them it's like don't have sex you know of course but for us we have to be mindful okay well I'm ovulating or you know I think the important thing is also getting predictor kits right and so you got to know what your body is doing because we don't necessarily know it's like sometimes you cramp when your cycle comes sometimes you don't right? Right. Sometimes, you know, the day it's a 28 day cycle. Sometimes you didn't eat something or you went on a fast and now it becomes a 25 day cycle. So it's early or it's two days late. And so for me, I had to monitor some things. Um, One of the things that God told me I had to uh, lighten up on are starches. And I, and that was just my own personal thing. Like I started to dismantle things for myself. Like, okay, well, I'm eating a lot of this and a lot of that. And I got to my healthiest, but again, I'm a dancer. So I'm always pretty active. 
So I was like, well, I feel like I eat pretty good and I'm always exercising. But one of the things that they tell you is to be mindful of when you're ovulating, right? Know when you're ovulating, because literally you have a 12 hour chance, like to get pregnant, like it's a 12 hour window, Mm -hmm. you know? And if the, if the sperm go swim and stay, then boom, you might get it. But if that sperm is like, no, not today, just going to die off, you know, (laughs) it might not make it until, you know, that 12 hour window, depending when you're having intercourse. Right. And so for me, I think um, everybody is different. They might tell you, you know, a friend of mine got it, got their DNA test. Right. So they could know the the things that their body was allergic to. So my husband did that Mm -hmm. test as well. So that, you know, he finds out, oh, I I can't eat broccoli or I'm not supposed to eat avocado or, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think it's different for everybody. And in some cases it works. And in some cases it still don't work. You like, okay, well, I didn't strip everything from my diet and we still ain't getting pregnant. You know what I mean? So it's very like, it's kind of convoluted in in a little bit, in a little way, because everybody has the advice, but everybody's advice is different for every person because we're all made differently. So what works for one person and their diet and their exercise really might not work for me. Right. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine all this stuff to, to conceive? And this is why they say, you know, we are all winners because the the journey that this poor yes. firm has to take, they're mm-hmm. like, you got to make it happen because you are a winner. You were able to 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 get fertilized, you know. Yeah, so, uh, that that's something amazing. Like, you know, so many people would have given up. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. What yeah. what keeps you? I guess the fact that you guys know that you want a family, you have a burning mm-hmm. desire to be parents, is actually what keeps you, you know, hopeful. Is that you know, is that it? Um, yeah, I think um, when when you look at who or what your purpose is, right? I think someone had to really break it down to me in a sense to where, um, I mean, we're godparents to so many, so many kids, right? And so. I think the hardest time is like, why everybody else want me to be their godmama? Not uh, why we can't have our own, right? But it just really attests to how special you are as a person and just the purpose and the promises of God in your life. And I know with teaching kids and and all of that, I have this one mom say, Dacia, if y'all never have kids, you've impacted so many kids Mm -hmm. throughout this entire world, like just traveling, that you have done your part, (laughs) you know? And I think what keeps us hopeful is always the promises of God, right? Because it's a simple as God is sovereign, it's like what you said, it's a miracle. Like mm-hmm. to be alive is a miracle for the sperm to reach an egg and yes. us to come into fruition is a miracle. Whether it is natural, whether it is IUI or whether it is IVF, God still has the last say, right? Cause yes. you have people who've done 10 IVF or 10 IUI cycles, yeah. you know? Um, and for those that don't know what that is, IUI is like artificial insemination where they, you know, take the sperm and put it up, you know, into your uterus. And then IVF is when they take the sperm and the egg and they create get an embryo, you know, they, you know, feed it together and then put it back into you. Um, and so that could still not work. People spend yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars to yes. do those procedures as well. And it's still not happened. So at the end of the day, it's still God, <laughs> it's still a, a, an overseer who has the right to say yay or nay. 
right? Yeah. And so I think with anything in any waiting season, whatever that waiting season, we got to learn how to wait well, because everything happens in due season, even if you decide to adopt. Do you get what I mean? That still has to be something that God says, okay, whether, Absolutely. you know, somebody decides to give up their child or, you know, you go with an adoption agency, somebody still has to say yes mm-hmm. from the heavens, yes. right? Absolutely. <laughs> but you know what? Um, it's, it's, I wanted to segue into what you said about the different procedures and the different um, steps that folks take um, mm-hmm. in terms of being um, in, in conception. Can you speak in terms of that, in terms of, you know, the expense that many of, you know, that route, <laughs> if you take that, the expense, and if you have any suggestions for anyone that may be in that predicament right now, Yeah. Okay. So I can only speak for us, you know, because everybody's insurances are different. That's right. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, the interesting thing is I I heard uh, this, this pastor say, it's interesting, no shade to anybody that insurances cover um, uh, some abortions, but they do not cover conceptions, which Mm. is really ironic, right? You know, we're okay with taking it out. Right. But what about bringing them in? Like insurances really don't cover these types of procedures of just bringing life um into uh fruition and so um depending on what the diagnosis is they'll let you know um or the prognosis they'll let you know okay well we recommend IUI or we recommend IVF of course IVF is more expensive that can start at like the twenty thousand dollar you know like literally it is a it is a move like you have to a strategic move <laughs> you know but i remember my why is it so, i don't mean to cut you off Deja, but why is it so expensive i've never understood why is it so expensive to you know to do these procedures i don't get it well you asking the wrong person because I, <laughs> I all think i think it's all racketeering it, for me, yeah. it's just <laughs> you know i mean like why we paid it so this much for a root canal or a uh you know um a cavity i mean to get contacts, I mean, to get glasses, it's just, it's just everything in, in these types of fields to me just are expensive all in all. And maybe it's that they're housing eggs or that, you know, it's like a surgery. And I think surgeries are just expensive in general. I haven't had any surgeries, thank God, you know, so I really don't know, you know, what they cost, but from my family members having them, they tend to be expensive as well. So this is another type of, you know, surgery, you know, and then artificial insemination can be something that from five to a thousand per cycle, right? That's 20,000 per cycle that you do. Right. And so like I, like I was telling Roxanne earlier, I can't get nobody advice on that because I don't know where your pockets are. I don't know how desperate you are, you know, to bring seed into the world. Mm -hmm. I can only say for me, myself and I, that I'm gonna go with God. Right. And so he want to drop 20 K in my pocket for me to do an IVF cycle, then go ahead and drop the 20 K. Of course, you know, your sign, right. What you say? I said, and then you would have gotten your sign that yes, that's what you need to do. That's the right, right, right. Because I, I, I always think just in everything, there's this, there's this scripture, y'all, that I really love, and it says, "All his ways are pleasant ways, and his paths are paths of peace." Right. So for me and this journey, I can only go with God's peace because yes. if I'm not in God's peace, that means that I'm in anxiety, and God is not a God of anxiety; He is a God of peace. Right. And so if I like when they recommended IVF, I got up because it was a virtual appointment, I got up and ran to the bathroom and started crying immediately, Mm. which means I'm not in peace with that at the moment. It's invasive, right? And it doesn't mean that it's not the right move for somebody else or even that it's not the right move for us. It just means it's not the right time 
for me. Mm. Either I haven't gotten the knowledge or the understanding yes. of it or, or just the intellect for it to sit and me be okay with it. Right. But if it makes me anxious, then I can't go with it because I'm no longer going with my peace, right? And so that's really how I recommend. And the only thing that I can recommend for people that are making these, these, these types of decisions, you got to go with your peace, period. Right. You know, and if you're okay with spending that money, if you're okay with getting that surgery, if you're okay, like my last doctor said, because we had to get a second opinion, right? Yes, I was about and, to ask that too. Yeah, yeah, we just got a second opinion uh, recently, and she she was like, even with IUI, Daisy, as long as you know you're going in with these expectations, you got to be okay, right? Go in knowing this is the probability. Right. This is what it is that it can or cannot happen. If you can go in and just have that understanding and that knowing you can't walk out disappointed. Right. right? And so I think that it's very, very mindful that we just prepare our minds for certain things and then just yes. go with your peace. Mm -hmm. Go with your peace. You can spend a whole bunch of money on that. Like you said, they see it and nothing happens. And mm -hmm. the average person might be saying, well, if I'm going to spend all this money, something needs to happen. But the probability is so small. They're so low. Yeah. I think they gave us even like 20 to 30% still. Cause my mom, my mom was like, y'all, I can help y'all pay. And I said, well, it's 20,000. She said, how much y'all need? How much you need? I said, 20,000. You got it. And she said, I, you know, I was being yeah. funny with it. I was like, you got it. And her eyes got big. She said like the whole thing you want me to pay. I said, well, you ask it's 20 K. And she was like, well, Oh God. I said, that's an expensive grandbaby, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, but you know, there are organizations now that's helping, you know, helping couples out with some of the um, overhead costs. Do you yeah, know of any are. organizations? Yeah. I don't, I don't particularly know any organizations offhand. I do know that people do grants. I know that people do GoFundMe. Yes. Um, and I think that's a, how comfortable you are, right. With right. letting that information out because yeah. I can't see myself crowdfunding for right. one that's just me right. um yeah. but other people are and they're in that space where they're very free I think within the past you know since I wrote my book have I truly been free with talking about infertility let alone go and ask people you know for money but there are organizations for sure that are able to give grants to families you know again but that's a process as well right because yes. somebody still has to have the say that we approve this couple or you know and then it depends on what you're getting paid right just like a student loan, right? It's depend on what they, what they think your overhead looks like and whether or not you can afford it. You know, so I still think there's several measures that you have to take to even walk into that aspect, but to each his own, but they are available. Absolutely. Let's talk about your book. As I was reading, you said mm -hmm. your book is a self you, like you have to help yourself. It's not like a self-help book. You have to do the work, right? Yeah. And I want you to talk about that a little bit in terms of what inspired you to write the book uh-huh. And has it been cathartic? Um cathartic. Cathartic, excuse cathartic. me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a freeing um aspect. Uh, just in general, um, I, something as simple as talking about the STD is freeing, right? Yeah. Because you can be walking in shame of that from like 15, 20 years ago, however, but you know, you just never told anybody that this. And so you have people being like, oh, what? Ah! 
and my doctor looked at me like, girl, this happened all the time. Everybody, their mama got them, you know? And so it is freeing to be able to put yourself in a position um, to just be a blessing to other people, right? Because yes. if you are able to talk about taboo subjects, I mean, how freeing is it for somebody to call you and be like, girl, this is me in a book. Thank you for sharing. Like, that's what the book is for me. So um, I was telling Roxanne earlier, my book is journalistic, right? And so for these six, seven years of this journey, I had uh, three books of journals uh, mm. where I was just having conversations with God, especially as a believer, you're walking and believing in God. And so you get kind of like dismantled in a way or disheveled in a way you're like, God, how can you allow this to happen, you know, to me, you know, these trials and these circumstances. And as I started to write, you know, these journals and get an idea of myself, because you're only lifting a mirror up to yourself to be like, dang, is this really what I'm thinking right now? Is this really how I'm feeling right now? And I'm like, how can this help somebody else? And so I started to compile all of my journals and um, creating this book called The Game of Life. And I, and I say it as the game of life because what is the game that we're all playing? It's the waiting game. We're all going to play the waiting game in life. Either you wait for a bus, you wait for a check to come. We all doing some type of waiting. And so um, I, I wrote the game of life and it's releasing the weight, the W-E-I-G-H-T, the heaviness when God Ooh. says wait, W-A-I-T, like not now. And there are some weights that we deal with in waiting seasons and just learning how to wait well. Because one thing that I can say that has been therapeutic coming out of this is like, I've learned how to wait well. I've learned how to wait patiently on God and the timing of things because there is Kairos. There's perfect timing for yes. things. I can't imagine God giving me a child six years ago. I, I mm. Now that where I am now, I can't imagine that, you know, just the maturity level now versus then, or even the selflessness that I'm learning now versus when I'm first got married, I'm still me, myself and I, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so there's, there's seasons that happen. And I just encourage everybody through my book to wait well, because God is the God of perfect timing, period, you know, but that doesn't mean you sit and don't do anything. You still get checked. You still do your That's due right. diligence. You still, you know, he might be like, go, yes, I want you to do that operation or yes, I want you to do that. But at the end of the day, it's still awaiting because he's still going to say yes or no, or wait, That's, yes. those are only three that he has. Yes, no, or wait. That's it. Absolutely. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, so, so let's, let's, let's play devil's advocate here. So listen, because you know, it's always pros and cons to everything. And though we wish you well in your journey in a successful conception, say yeah. it happens, right? Yes. And I know you're a faith believer and you believe that, you know, he will guide and direct your path and what's right for you. And like you yeah. mentioned, if it doesn't happen, you would have been a blessing to someone, right? Mm -hmm. Someone needs to hear your journey. Someone needs to be inspired by your message, right? And we're, we're all, we were all created to deliver a, 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 a message, whatever the message is. And everything is not going to, everything that you want is not always going to work out the way in which you want it to. Absolutely. So, you know, if it doesn't happen, then what? Um, I've already asked myself this question right because I feel like in my prayer time or even in my book I talk about that moment where I had to ask myself if this doesn't happen or here it is so I was in my prayer and God 
literally, I felt the Holy Spirit talking to me. If I never give you this, will you still serve me? That was the hardest question I could ever answer. And it took me some months to answer that question because I really had to go back and say, what is the purpose for you being on here in this earth? right? Is it just to get married and to have kids? No, it's to spread the gospel. It's to be a blessing to other people where you, whether you are my seed or somebody else's seed. And that is a process, right? Because we can't say that we're all in a place where if God doesn't give us, you know, our wildest dream, the thing that we are just like, God, this, I want this. Will you still serve him? Like who wants to answer that question? Cause I was mad. And God, you know what I mean? Like really I have to be like, well, I don't know. Let me think about that for a second, you know, because this is my perception of my reality. This is what I see for my life and what I I've created in my head, but then there's nothing compared to what God has for you. Right. Because all the people that'll be freed at, at just the platform of just sharing, Hey, this might not have happened for you, but did something else happen for you? Did God have a different plan for you? Because we all want his plan, right? And yes. so I think for me, I'm okay with as long as I'm with my master, my savior that is walking with me and giving me direction on who to touch, who to pray for, who to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, give a word to. Although there's something about having that desire, right? Because God yes. says, that I will give you your heart's desires, but who gave you those desires? God gave you those desires. So for me, I don't feel like he'd ever give me a desire that he won't bring to pass, period. If that's the case, I feel like he'd take that desire from me and get me into a place where I'm okay. And that might be what he's doing, right? Like he can get to you a place where you're in a place of peace with or without kids, right? But that still takes time because I'm now taking what I envision and I'm reframing it to what God is envisioning for me. And then that's still me killing my flesh to my own desires, you know, and letting them manifest into his desires. And I feel like, oh, that's when the transformation has, when it's no longer about us and it's about him. So then you become okay with what it is because he's already shown you who and what you are to him. So your, your belief level is so, you know, up there, you know, <laughs> that I can't believe that he would not give his child, you know, one of his children, what you desire so earnestly for. Yeah. You're serving him and you are being a blessing for, to someone else, you know, to many women out there, you know, who have walked this path. Yes. And, you know, like you and I had discussed earlier, um, I have three girls. Mm-hmm. And my husband, when I met my husband, he didn't have any kids and I didn't want to have any children after I had my two children with a prior relationship. And so my husband and I, you know, he wanted two kids and I was like, God, let it be twins. Cause I do not want to get pregnant. Twice. <laughs> that part. <laughs> right. So it never happened. I had one single child. So he has one daughter. So right. He- on by and he started nagging me again about listen I want a son I want a son I'm like oh lord here we go again yeah so not for nothing but we had gone down because we had you know we've been married now I think about mm, I want to say nine years eight to nine years at this particular juncture mm-hmm. probably not nine probably about seven or eight I should say and um he's contemplating oh you know I want to have a son so it's like, listen, I am not trying to go down that road again, but you know, <laughs> let's, let's see what happens. Okay. Yeah. And lo and behold, we went, we 
was not conceiving. So I was like, well, let's go and see what's going on. So lo and behold, when we had gone down um, to the infertility doctor and they told us all, you know, the options, you know, yada, yada. And um, I went and got tested first. My husband went to the nephrologist and we're going and everything is, you know, and it came back that my left fallopian tool was blocked. Mm. And it was like, really? So in my head, I'm like, okay, so the left is blocked. So what's going on with the right? With the right, huh? Right. <laughs> it only takes one. <laughs> it only takes one side. We don't need the both. And I don't know. I think we just kind of dropped the ball because it wasn't so much of a pressing issue for me. But mm -hmm. I relate to some of what you were saying because here it is I'm like well damn you mean I'm like barren I can't have kids like and I don't we, we really didn't do a thorough you know detail as to why I was not able to conceive on the right mm -hmm. side because clearly my left my right tube is is viable mm -hmm. so you know I just say that because I could certainly relate to you know this conversation and how that can feel even though yeah. I already had kids you know, yeah. to someone who wants children and you can't give that person what they want, you yeah. start questioning yourself. It oh, really yeah. And your purpose, you know, what is life really about? If God talks about being fruitful and multiplying, why you can't bring seed on the earth? It may, I, I don't know about you, um, Desia, but it was, it was, even though I had kids already, right? You could still have that same feeling like, well, what's the purpose? Yeah. What then? You know, because things like this can ruin marriages. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the blame game. You understand? Yeah. And clearly, sometimes you have people when they when they've been trying to conceive for so long and they can't conceive, they split up because one yeah. mm -hmm. is a huge expense. It and is. It's a huge expense, and you definitely yes. have to be in a financial position to to take to, that on. Absolutely. Now, several cycles and it doesn't work and then you go out you guys start bickering and then you know you separate and then the other person winds up meeting someone else and then they conceive it happens all the time it all happens the time. all the time yes and so i wanted to i wanted to ask Deja not to cut you up um roxanne but i wanted to ask Deja about that because you spoke about your you know your um you spoke about your relationship with god Mm -hmm. And I, I, I wanted to ask you about that for couples that are struggling because your faith and, and as it shows here that it's so strong, mm -hmm. but how is that with your husband is the walk is the path the same. And I don't know if you can answer that or not, but like Roxanne said, this is a, a topic that really splits couples. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys have those conversations or how do you know how he's truly feeling, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, men are difficult in general, yes. right? Because women, we just, we talk about it. You know, we have yes. conversations, even it's with your best friends. Oh my gosh, we got to talk about the rules of engagement of, the, of that part, because that is another part, the conversation part, right? Yes. The actual talking about it. Um, but regarding uh, uh, the, what what's the word I'm looking for? The comfortable, the uh, being comfortable talking to your best friend as a female like that comes natural for us like right sis let me tell you what's going on you know just to kind of get up your chest but men don't necessarily 
talk like that right and so I think for my husband he could internalize a lot of it and I think for men it can feel a, a bit more discouraging to not be able you know to conceive especially in the time frame that you desire so for most people it you know, like we talked about it, the women tend to be, or we tend to think that it's the woman, but in, in our particular um, situation, they had um, diagnosed my husband with male factor infertility. And so that of course was definitely a bummer, you know, and for, I, I have to say for us, um, because we had suffered a, a miscarriage uh, uh, about two years ago, um, man, my husband is a trooper. You know, mm. I think what holds us together is our faith because he's mm. just as strong as well. You know, like his conversations are with God, you know, and he's like, okay, well, you give me the, the wisdom. What should I, you know, to, to be able to come home and be like, I had to talk with God. I'm yes. going to get tested, right? That attests to his his relationship with God. And I think that that's important because sometimes what happens is you'll have people that are just not talking about it, you know, yes. period. And then that's when you get bitter and resentment. And one of the things that I talk about is the book is like, when my husband was delaying going to get checked, I could see that resentment was building, right? Because mm. I had already had a what they say is a clean bill, right? A clean health bill. So it's like, bruh, if you don't go get checked, bruh, like, you know, it's been year three, like go, like what, you, you know what I mean? And so I think it, it also has to be how you communicate within your marriage, because of course God is the head, but we got a lot of believers who believe in for kids and they don't happen and they still get divorced, right? Yeah. And so I think it's how you communicate with each other and being honest, like I'm feeling this type of way, I'm, I'm feeling this type of way and therapy helps, right? I have a therapist, yes. you know, yes. that I can kind of talk it out with where she's like, okay, well, you're creating a story in your head, Dacia, you can't create a story in your head, you know, because it's not really true. You're, you're, the narration isn't true, right? And so then you're like, well, sis, well, hold on. <laughs> but she's being honest about how we start to make assumptions about how the other person feel, what they're thinking that it's not important to them, but they haven't communicated that to us. They could very well be navigating how they are supposed to get through the situation as well. And so what I did was encourage my husband to get people that he could be transparent with. And I did the same, right? So you don't necessarily have to tell me, you know, but do tell somebody that, you know, this is disappointing, this is discouraging, et cetera, et cetera. But we tend to have conversations and what I call, like we said earlier, check-ins. When we actually have that relationship to where it's made us stronger, this situation has made us stronger, not only in our faith, but even with each other and just communicating. So it's us against the world with or without kids. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. All for it. I, I definitely see that, you know, you guys have a strong bond, a strong relationship. And that's awesome, you know, that your husband is on board and he too has a relationship with God because it's yeah. so important. Yes. So well, important. Awesome conversation. I loved it. I mean, I can go on because I'm like a sponge. I love to learn different things. Yes. <laughs> and you definitely were engaging. You know, if, if nothing else, I'm definitely going to support the book. So just thank give, you. Give another plug to the book, if you don't mind. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my, I actually have it here. So 
Y'all will see you and talk, I'll show it and talk about it. So the book is called The Game of Life, Releasing the Weight When God Says Wait. And Mm. it is our particular um, story uh, or what I like to call just a waiting season because you don't have to necessarily be going through fertility struggles to relate to the book because we all have different uh, waiting seasons, right? And so it's really, really, really a good read. Like I'm not even lying because I'm the author, but you know, I, I heard I'm a little funny, y'all, just a little right. bit. Just, so a little I, bit. I did, just a little bit, right? <laughs> so I add a little comedic vibe in there. And that's where, you know, we're talking about just the rules of engagement that's in there. And so what it also does is just teaches us how to have conscious conversations. So we're not going around here asking people questions like, when you having kids? Well, Oh, yeah. I had a, a miscarriage yesterday. I mean, if you not, you know, read the room. You know what I mean? Don't right. ask me my age. You know, hey, you have when you having kids? Haven't had it. Y'all have kids? That, you know, how old are you? Thirty eight. Oh, what you waiting on, sis? No, nope, yes. that's not the question. Oh my god. So yeah, when you get book. married, when yes. you get married, and so what I do is for people that even are struggling with fertility, or even if you're in a waiting season, I say buy the book and then t- tell them to turn straight to the rules and of engagement, and then they'll stop asking. Asking you those questions right yes. <laughs> so I just encourage everybody to buy it it's available where books are sold Amazon Walmart Barnes and Noble um and then yeah you can follow me on Instagram at Dacia James D-A-C-I-A J-A-M-E-S probably on all platforms it's the same thing awesome awesome phenomenal conversation I love you sir they see it I mean you could be one of my girlfriends in my head we could just be chopping it up right yeah Yeah. we are man I look forward to coming back y'all are cool y'all are fun I love it thank you um I just want to say thank you for this amazing conversation like you know when Roxanne and I spoke about talking about this particular episode I wasn't knowledgeable but you provided a great perspective a faithful perspective and I really want to thank you Yeah, Dacia, for that. And I actually have a special announcement. Listen, if you guys are listening to, all right, that's what we do here, Dacia. That's what we do. Okay. Um, Yes, I am going to, Roxanne and I, we are going to give one lucky viewer a free book. So if you're listening to our voice, yes, Uh we got you. Listen, this this book is amazing. Um, The seeds that you're planting is beautiful. And we just want to thank you. Yes, we just want to thank you so much for your transparency. Certainly. Thank yes. you. Definitely. <laughs> we could have gone on a little bit more, but of course, due to time, we are going to cut it short. But I thank you that you have blessed some, you know, some listener out there, some viewer out there. I appreciate y'all. And of course, we are definitely going to support the book and give one of our lucky subscribers the book. So guys, chopping it up uh, with RK. Don't forget to check us out on all social media pa- platforms. Like us, share, view, comment. We, we definitely read the comments and we're always interested uh, to keeping you guys engaged. So until next time, chopping it up from your girl RK. They see it. We want to thank you once again. Don't be a stranger. Feel free to come back on and discuss your many different um, venues that you have going on. So absolutely. So much, guys. Thank you. Pleasure. Have a fabulous evening on purpose. That's right. Bye, guys. Thank you.